This is the Blackout Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blackout Podcast where I get to talk to amazing people that do amazing things. And today I have my friend Sam Horak and she's she does it all. Tell me a little <laughs> bit about yourself. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me on the show, Israel. It's such a pleasure. Yeah. I've uh, been watching this podcast, and when you asked me, I was absolutely thrilled. Uh, I'm super grateful to be here. Um, what I do, um, yeah. I consider myself to be a um, playwright, um, feminist, and rock star. Um, so, yeah, uh, to give you an idea, uh, mostly I work in the theater, um, and I, uh, I've i also um, played in a number of uh, bands. Um, so, yeah. What do you play? Like, what instrument do you play? Um, I'm a front woman. Um, actually, yeah, my voice is a little uh, rough this morning because we had a show last night. Oh! Um, so, I'm a punk singer. Um, oh. which is a, a nice way of saying a, a singer with not a great vocal range. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what's your band called? Uh, my current band is called Privacy Bag. Okay. Um, what's the story behind that? Yeah. Name? So the HRM came out with uh, the bylaws around uh, garbage bags. Uh, you had to have the clear garbage bag. Mm -hmm. And people were all outraged, being like, oh, my God, my privacy. Um, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So then you were allowed to have your one black uh, privacy bag. Oh. So we thought, what a great name for a punk band. It was actually Pam Krause who uh, plays guitar in the band who came up with the name. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> and um, how long have you guys played together? Um, we're pretty new, like a year. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Wait, how, how do you even start with music? Let's go back. Oh, goodness. That's, uh, that's, um, that's pretty much all in my play, Rock and Roll Save My Life, which is the story behind how I became a punk singer. Um, but uh, to give you a short uh, rundown, um, this is a really good question. How did I feel like I just kind of got thrown into it? Um, my first band was this Star Trek band. Uh, we, we play Star Trek music. We sang about Star Trek and sex. Uh, <laughs> super, super nerdy. I had a Star Trek dress. Oh, um, yeah. Like, like, uh... Like the black lady on the thing that kind of handles our communications on Star Trek. I can't remember her name. Oh, uh, yeah, not uh, not exactly like that, but it was oh, like oh, a, oh, oh. A, a pink like oh, oh, uniform. Oh, oh. Gotcha, gotcha, um, gotcha, no gotcha, one gotcha. wore pink on the show. Yeah. I was the engineer officer, and yeah, I'm not even a huge Trekkie, but uh, oh, okay. I do appreciate Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek fan. Yeah, yeah, pretty nerdy. Super <laughs> original name though. <laughs> Jordy Vision. <laughs> uh, and you've always been a person singing. Do you write the songs? Uh, most of the lyrics I write. That's probably what attracted me. Um, I didn't write the lyrics for the Star Trek band. I left that to Phil, who like is a huge Trekkie. Um, but yeah, um, I, I write some of the, the lyrics for the bands, most of it. I find the most exciting part about um, creating music is um, how the lyrics um, can affect the music and which ones drives the creation of the music. Mm. Um, so I find that to be a really interesting process. Sometimes yeah. I come in and I'm like, I have this like tempo and like, kind of do it like spoken word, like this is kind of how I envision it, uh, or I'll sort of like hum it, and then they'll work around that. Or the other way where uh, someone will come in with a riff, uh, and we kind of work with that, and then add text. Um, and yeah, I'm just generally really interested in storytelling. So any medium, whether it's like text or music, um, I just I find it really exciting. Like 
just any way to get like a story out there and explore different means of storytelling. Okay. Yeah. Actually, talking about storytelling, I mean, you've done plays, acted, written, produced, all the stuff. How did it start with plays? Um. Okay. Um. I saw um Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, uh, Donny Osmond, uh, in Toronto when I was about like six years old. They had a scene uh, where children came on stage and I remember grabbing my mom being like, they're like my age, like they're on stage. And and then she gave me a lecture about um, talking in the theater. But uh, (laughs) after that, um, uh, I we talked about uh, theater and she said, you know, if this is something you want to do, there's a community center around the corner. We could uh, see if we can, you know, have you uh, get involved in like some of the theater productions. Uh, This woman named Kelly Nye, um, she ran this great uh, community theater um, uh, from this community center uh, and it was fantastic. We just. Uh, this was in Toronto. Oh, uh, I used to live in Toronto. I'm 10 years in Halifax now, but gotcha. I used to. It's, it's actually the community center is now a shopper's drug mart, which okay. is heartbreaking. It's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was such a great community center. They ran like playwriting workshops there, and um, there was a theater group. And we did like theater in the park outside the community, and like it was oh, so fun. Wow. We did like Shakespeare in the park when I was like 13 years old, <laughs> playing Miranda in the Tempest. Like, oh. yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got involved. And then, um, when did you start writing your own stuff? Um, there. I actually originally went to Dal for acting and I got kicked out of the acting program. Why? Um, I'm going to say like two reasons. One is definitely I'll take some responsibility. Um, I was like young in my early 20s and going through some shit like we all are. Um, I was kind of probably in one of the darkest periods of my life. Had issues with showing up for class, um, just general responsibility stuff. Mm. Um, and I butted heads with a couple of the um, the profs there as well. Mm. So I think it was a mix. Like, I, I just, as I would say nicely, I don't think it was a good fit. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then what did you switch to? I switched, I kind of was, that was like a big moment because I was like, what do I do? Mm. My whole life, I've like... If you asked me when I was 13, I was like, I'm going to be a famous actor. You just wait. And, like, had this, like, idea. Like, you know, when you're young and getting bullied and you're like, oh, I'll show them when I'm famous. Like, (laughs) just you wait and see. Um, But no. And so all of a sudden I was like, wait, no, my plans are changing. (laughs) I mean, I still could have pursued acting. But I think I might have been coming to the realization that maybe this wasn't for me. Or at the moment I need to explore something else. Yeah. Um, so I started exploring directing and um, writing because you could do that in theater studies. You were really open to an array of um, different classes. Mm-hmm. I did a creative process class, um, which was fantastic because it kind of op- really opened my mind to like different uh, creative uh, processes and um just an array of different artists that we were learning about and I was really inspired. Mm-hmm. I started uh, keeping a journal uh, after that class. Um, and then I had playwriting with Catherine Banks, who's one of my favorite playwrights. Uh, just a fantastic Nova Scotian playwright. Uh, really inspired by her. I was thrilled when I heard she was teaching the class. Yeah. And after that, um, she kind of like encouraged uh, the class to write a play. And then once you write a play, there's then that's that's it. You're <laughs> <laughs> just nonstop. You can't, uh, you can't go back. What was the and, first play called? Um, 
So uh, mostly, like, my first bits and pieces were just, uh, I don't even want to talk about that, <laughs> to be honest. Um, oh, God, I had this really bad one called Pink Furry Handcuffs. It was awful. It was about a love triangle and, uh, yeah, this, like, a three-person relationship. And, uh, yeah, it was bad. Well, really bad. What? Why was it bad? Oh, because I had no idea of, like, narrative structure um, the dialogue sounds like, um, I don't know, drunk teenagers talking and like, <laughs> I, it just, it's terrible. I, I picked it up actually not too long ago and I was like, oh, <laughs> shove this back in the drawer. I'm not going to burn it. I used to burn everything. I used Why? to find diaries and I would be so embarrassed. Oh. I would just like take them out and burn them. <laughs> like burn them. It was like, and now I'm like, I kind of would love to like vi revisit. Yeah, I know. But. I've always, yeah, I kept a diary and it'd be nice to go back. Yeah. I, I wish, you know, I had access to things like um, Evernote or stuff because uh, my writing sucks. So now I just type everything and I like using Evernote or one of whatever, where you know, where I can write stuff because I can get it on my phone or my laptop yeah. or wherever I'm at. I don't think I'll have like any notebook. I mean, if I write a um, script or something, I have to print it out. Yeah. But I don't. But you like to keep it all online. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Also, saving paper too. Yeah. Saving yeah, trees. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. So, what so tell, was... you tell me about some of your writing. I'm so curious about this. So, you're doing a science fiction show for Fringe and you're switching to theater from, from film, different mediums. Or I'm really intrigued. <laughs> I love science fiction. Um, so... and I'm very intrigued. Well, I mean, I made a film called Drown the Love as. It's set in this world where if you, how should I put it? If you have emotions, you get killed pretty much. That's it. Because in the future, in this future, uh, the people, the powers that be believe that emotions led to the war that pretty much almost destroyed the world. So if we kill it, then we won't have any wars. And somehow it's working. But then there are people that believe that as human beings, we have to feel like, how can we not feel? Like that is what makes us inherently human. Yeah. And so it's these people button heads. So I made this film and it was pretty decent. And then I fell in love with this world and I've been writing other um, stories in the world, like a, like a series or like a feature. Yeah. And then I like challenging myself. Uh, when I, when I, it's not that I get bored, but when I'm, when I can just do something, I want to get to the next challenge. So the next challenge was I've never written a play before, yeah. and I thought, okay, you know what? I I understand this world. I'm gonna try and write a play in this world, and I'm gonna do it at a fringe because a friend of mine, um, oh, what's his name now? Ke it's not Kevin. Kevin Hartford. Oh yeah, love him. The yeah. Kevin Hartford. Yeah, the Kevin Hartford. <laughs> so I reached out to him and I was like, he's like. Don't worry, you know, nobody expects your play to be amazing. Oh, it's Fringe. That's what Fringe is for. That's, that's an exciting thing. It's so accessible. He, that yeah. is what he says. So I was yeah. like, you know, like, let's just see what, how it goes. So I applied and then I got in. And now awesome. uh, I need, but the good thing is I'm pretty much working with the same people I've worked with, but, I'm, but I have a, uh, two or three new characters that I need to audition okay. for. Uh, so I just reached out to the friends and said, oh, you know that thing we did? We are going to redo it again, but I cannot pay you because it's fringe, but let's do it. And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So now I need to try and cast these three roles. Uh, and one of them is like the main character yeah. right and um the thing about this play was I, I i thought i'd finished it but then 
the perfect twist just entered my mind as I was driving. So I just need to change one last thing and then it's done. Okay. Yeah, so I'm kind of worried because... I think personally, I think going from theater to film is easier than going from film to theater. Because going from theater to film, you you in theater you're kind of restricted. Oh yeah. But film you're like oh whatever you want to do. But now you're gonna going from that freedom to this restriction. So I need to learn kind of like like the language and make sure like I can insert people in that moment and i'm talking to people to help me with my soundscape because i think if we can get the sounds right like yeah. the, the audience will get immersed in the film and, oh totally honestly right sound, yeah sound is such an easy way or not easy way but sound and sound and me, like music is such an integral way to manipulate people into feeling how you want to yeah. it's such a great trick i mean like it's just what i find interesting is taking like how scores on films are used um and kind of how can we kind of use that in the theater yeah. when you have them there live yeah and so um there's a director um and I'm unfortunately blanking on his name. He's a uh, Russian and he'll actually, he's a musician and composer, oh, but uh, his shows, his theater shows don't have any uh, music in them, but what he'll do before when the audience are coming in, he'll play music to manipulate them, to get them there emotionally where he wants them to be. Cause he oh, says wow. people are always coming in with, you know, their different baggage, their days, everyone's kind of lives and stories are different, mm. but he wants them to be in the emotionally in the place he wants them to be at uh, when the show starts. Wow. And I found that to be so interesting because it's yeah. like how can we use um, music to affect the text and really like you know as like um, to um, yeah to really emotionally affect people and now I know you're actually you had your reading for your play don't tell me Actually, no, tell me. <laughs> uh, it's called Rock and Roll Save Rock My Life. Rock and Roll Save My Life. You yeah. actually said it because you said it's kind of a biography. It's a semi-autobiographical uh, oh, tale. Okay. Semi, yeah. It used to be full autobiographical And then you tale. took parts out. Yeah, I needed to kind of disguise myself a little <laughs> bit, I think. I don't know. I keep telling myself this, but I think, like, everyone knows it's about me. <laughs> I tried denying it. I had a bit of a rough uh, patch. I, um... Uh, actually, last year doing Fringe, or two years ago doing Fringe, uh, I did Rock and Roll Save My Life at Gus's Pub, and I actually uh, had a mental breakdown during the show because it was. Is it like a one person show? Or... Uh, yeah, well, it, it was uh, a two person show. Um, there's a character who's like a metaphor for rock and roll and the patriarchy. Gotcha. Um, Wait, how? How? How is the person two things? So basically, it's a one-person show, um, but there's char outside characters that kind of represent what the character is dealing with inside gotcha, their gotcha, head. Gotcha, gotcha. So, for example, um, the character creates this like rock star persona, this idea of herself, um, and it's kind of it's supposed to be about you know when you're telling a story and you have this idea of who you are. Mm. Um, and you, so you have this idea of who you are and you're trying to also find this truth. And it's like, where do you meet in the middle? Cause uh, often this, these ideas that we have of ourselves or these masks that we wear are not actually truthful to ourselves. Mm. So it's about kind of taking off the mask, but it's also okay to put the mask on because like life is terrifying sometimes. Like, you know what I mean? Like just sometimes you need that mask, you need that helmet, you need that shell. So kind of finding that balance. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what I've been finding the most interesting uh, part of exploring. Um, sort of, sort of um, the experience of playing that, putting that play together and performing. How many times did you perform for Fringe? Uh, we were supposed to do five shows, but mm. we got through three. Mm. Yeah. And then 
what like at what point do you know okay this is too much and I'm, I'm not I the third show um I I actually like I I I was triggered um because uh, we had an issue with our um sound uh the program we we're using had like a glitch so this there's a song and it's um it's a bikini kill song um called like white boy and it's a like a really intense song about a sexual assault and that song's supposed to play much later in the show and it came on during the part where I'm um sort of talking about the sexual assault and I just uh, felt so triggered on stage and started like my heart with was just racing and yeah. after the show something in my brain just kind of clicked you know you have a filter like thoughts will come in and you're like oh nope not that one yet that one like nope so that kind of clicked or that was removed and I just kind of lost <clears throat> touch with reality I locked myself in my apartment for three days mm. uh, I had wonderful friends bring me food like pizza and lasagna and checked on me um, got a little bit of time off work mm. um, so super grateful that all that happened such a great support network but it was really scary so why are you still I mean why am I still working on it <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I put it down for a while and I was like nope not touching that mm. and then I found myself kind of like getting curious again poking at it going in touching up the dialogue and then I just found myself applying um for a development program um yeah I don't know something about it has me continually going back mm. and I I incorporated another character now um so there's like a bit of a separation um, and I'm still questioning whether I want to be an actor in the piece as well. But with the incorporation of the other character, the stage reading we did went okay. I felt good about it. Mm. And I think to having some time away. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's something about it. I, I just, I feel like it's a story that I want to share um, when I've heard other women share stories of a similar nature. Mm. Um, I found it really powerful. Um, part of... I started writing it after, um, so the play's about, like, um, a sexual assault, uh, um, that happened in, uh, that I experienced in a taxi, uh, years ago when I was younger, and when the young woman, um, there was an article in the news about a, um, the young woman in the cab, mm. and I went to the, the march, uh, the protest, um, and I heard all these women sharing their stories, and it was really moving, um, so I kind of, I was writing a little bit, um, and yeah, I, I don't know, um, I still don't know where the piece will go, mm. but I just, I, I think I keep coming back to it because of that. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. That's powerful. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying just, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying. Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to catch just, myself. Yeah. Jumped no. right in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that was heavy. Um, and actually, you know what? I, Having this medium, um, I get to meet people that do amazing things. And when someone goes to such a viral place, it's like, okay, you know, I try to take a moment to get myself a name. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then, um, but then you have this other play, mm -hmm. Kitchen. Kitchen or Rocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Not so dark. <laughs> <laughs> a little more on the comedic side. <laughs> okay. So what happens in the kitchen? 
Um, well, so it's 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 kind of based on um, also my experiences. I, I've sworn to people after these two plays, I'm going to write about something other than myself <laughs> uh, because I think it's like all been a little close to home. Yeah. Uh, but it's about um, it's not well, it's not about me, but it's about artists working in the restaurant industry, uh, which I think is a reality that a lot of artists uh, deal with. You're stuck playing this dual role. You have your dreams, your aspirations. Mm. Um, your artistic um, goals uh, and visions, but then you also have to pay the bills. And often that involves customer service work. And uh, often at times it can be quite menial um, and um, not satisfying. And um, so it's about playing that um, that dual role and coming to that point in life that a lot of people get to when they're in their 30s of like, do I give up um, or do I keep on going? Because it's, it's hard and it, it can really break people down uh, emotionally and physically. Uh, when you start to get to your 30s, your body uh, can start to slow down on you. Um, doing all-nighters becomes a little more difficult, which is necessary when mm. you're doing, you know, eight-hour um, shifts to pay your bills and rent. And so it's uh, I hear a lot of my friends kind of questioning this, being like, should I just give up, go back to school? Should I just get like a, a real job, <laughs> uh, whatever that means? Um, so yeah, I, I feel like it's a constant question. So that's kind of what the uh, the script uh, is about. That's uh, sort of the heart of it. So a rock tale, are they like rock songs you play or? Yeah, well the character um, Maze, uh, they play guitar. Um, and uh, they kind of are the type that like their guitar never leaves with them. Like they probably sleep with their guitar. And so all the the songs kind of emerge organically from the lead character uh, playing their guitar. Um, and it's kind of um, often in the kitchen, like on a slower uh, day, uh, people start fooling around, banging on pops and pans, songs emerge. So it's kind of that like kitchen party feel of just um, like the community that kind of can form mm. uh, when you have all these people um I guess working this job and trying to find art in life. Um, so that's kind of where the music sort of came from. Mm. That uh, that kitchen party feel, how you know you're fooling around, you pick up a pots and pans, a song all of a sudden comes out, um, which is like honestly very real in the, the <laughs> restaurant. That my experience is. <laughs> how, many, how many people do you have in Napoli? Uh, it's a seven uh, actor uh, play. Mm. Um, Will you be acting in it? Pardon? Are you acting in it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not think so. Okay. Uh, I think I'm just the writer on that one. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Someone else will direct it. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, um, Laura Vingo Cram, I believe, uh, will be directing that one. Oh, um, so, how do you decide who directs your writing? Um, often, um, you will work with dramaturgs. Um, so, um, do you know what a dramaturg is? I is there, actually, is there I'm a film, learning. Is there a film equivalent of a dramaturg? No, no. Well, script maybe, doctor? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. like if you have a consultant, depending on the okay, play you're yeah. on the script, you're right. Say, say I'm writing it. Okay, say someone wrote a book, right? And I want to adapt that book. Yeah. I guess the person that owns the book in that case might be someone because they, they understand the story. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm, I learned that term a few months ago. I was like, oh, okay. So that's what that person does. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird to me. But, but it's like, really it's, helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can kind of get a sense of who you'd want to work with. Mm. Um, so you would go through... Um, 
sometimes a couple different dramaturgs uh, applying for programs. Um, and then through the, uh, through dramaturgy work often, um, that's, I find it kind of helpful. What do they um, do? Like what? they ask questions, mm. they go through your script and uh, be like, okay, um, what does this mean? Or were you trying to say this here? Or like, why does that character do that? Mm. And basically the goal of dramaturgy is not to tell a playwright how to write, to write their it, play, but, but to ask questions. Because often something will seem really clear in my mind, mm, but when someone else reads it, they're not getting what I'm trying to put out there. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, so my play is called Safe. Yeah. I fucking love it. Um, and <laughs> I'm so I excited. I, I wrote it and it made sense. But mm -hmm. then this person I'm working with, I send them the script and they read it. I'm like, and then they asked one question that was clear but then when i read it again i was like oh shoot i see how you missed it so we're just going back and forth yeah. with that thing so yeah it's super helpful super helpful yeah that's um, awesome. so she she uh, uh, laura yeah uh, yeah laura vingocram yeah uh was she she was um i worked with her um she, we went to school together mm. and i was always like really kind of in awe of her um she was asked always asked like you know the those that person in your class who asked those questions and you're like Damn, like, <laughs> oh, I wish my brain, like, thought of that. Um, so I always want, I wanted to work with her. She's a fantastic artist. Um, mm. She directs for Keep Good uh, Theatre Company. And, um, yeah, I had her. She was a dramaturg and a director on Rock and Roll Save My Life at Gus's. It was the first time we worked together. Mm. And then... Um, we talked about uh, Kitchen. We did the uh, Park Playwrights Atlantic Resource Center. If you're ever needing some resources for your script, it's a great resource center to use. Uh, it's for playwrights. They have like um, home delivery programs and um, like a numerous, you can, they'll hook you up with a dramaturg if you're not sure or even help you if you're like, I don't know who would be the right fit for this play. These are the themes. And they might suggest like, oh, so-and-so uh, like loves uh, like this kind of a, a topic. Well, like maybe... Um, match you guys up so it's a great resource center for playwrights what's it called again uh park playwrights atlantic resource center cool, cool. um yeah they're fantastic pa um, pamela halstead runs it right now jenny monday was a previous um fantastic um fantastic women who have run it um yeah it's a great resource um yeah so um I've now, sorry, I'm, I'm doing about, a shout out. About your, <laughs> about so your director. Oh, yeah. So um, we did a, uh, we actually were luckily fortunate enough to do a, um, a workshop um, a reading um, with actors, professional actors on oh, Kitchen, wow. uh, which is amazing because you have all these actors in the room. They can ask questions, ask questions about the character. Uh, and then we had a, um, um, a public reading of uh, the work back in December. So I worked with her on that and I was like, oh my goodness, I, if I can get her as a director, uh, I would love uh, to work with her. Cause she's, how long uh, is it? How long is Kitchen? Mm. Um, right now with music, it's about an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a long, uh, and then how many scripts, are, um, is it like one minute page? Roughly, I think um, generally a minute to a minute and a half per page. Mm. Yeah. So that's like a hundred page script, give or take. Um, the way I format mine, um, I would say it's more a minute and a half. So I think it's a 65 page script. Oh, wow. Oh, so maybe it's less. I don't know. Math. I can't do math <laughs> right now. <laughs> so um, and then. Do you write the songs on the scripts too, or? Sometimes. Okay. Often I call my songwriting rough demos. 
Um, and then I, I'm hoping I'm, I have a grant right now to work with composer and Denny, uh, in order to take some of my like rough demos and, um, sort of, uh, fix them up a little bit and finesse them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to work with Aunt Danny cause she has these great little like sort of views on finding art and life. And, um, she does all these like amazing workshops with kind of like found created instruments. And, um, yeah. So, um, after hearing about some of her experiences with taking these workshops I'm like you are the person for this um so yeah I kind of am hoping to send her some of my like rough demos and uh, work with her as well as uh Jessica uh, uh Jess McDonald um who what? is a musician as well and I'm hoping to have them uh play the lead character yeah Jess and I used to be in the femdoms together so uh, oh, okay. yeah that's how I met uh yeah she's just making music from everything yeah yeah Jess is super talented anyway so um how's the progress on kitchen and rock um rock rock and roll saved my life um well after um having these um two experiences with um public readings which are like super helpful uh for the playwright mm. um i am back to rewriting um so picking it apart asking questions um i see a lot longer journey ahead for rock and roll save my life um just because it, it's constantly changing, the structure of it is changing. Um, but Kitchen, uh, I think, is potentially gearing up, um, hopefully, uh, grant-dependent. Um, there'll probably be, a hopefully, a production in the next year or two. Oh, but wow. then it's all grant-dependent, right? Yeah. Um, and grants are so hard, it's a lottery. Um, <laughs> it is. Like, you spend, it's, it's a lottery ticket that costs you two months of your life, um, costs you contacting artists, and you generally don't get it. And you get so excited in the process you're like this is gonna happen I contacted like uh, Jess McDonald I contacted and Denny everyone's down it's gonna oh and I didn't get the call. <laughs> and then the feedback is excruciating because they're like yeah we just weren't engaged it, it's quick feedback like, I'm grateful for any feedback but they're like jury was not engaged with your material and you're like it won't wait Why? really like I think it's cool really and they're like but your collaborators are awesome like, when, you're, you. <laughs> when you're when you're submitting that to our grant, do you record the songs or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, it's a little bit of a catch twenty two because in order to work with people, especially like established people, mm. you need money to pay them. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like sometimes people will be nice and like help you out and work with you for the grant sake. Mm. Um, but generally, like you're kind of sending in rougher demos. Like you don't have the time Everything, and money to record yeah. these beautiful finesse pro uh, finished projects. Because you need that money to, to make that Yeah, thing. and so it's kind of like a little bit of a catch-22. Yeah. I'm still kind of figuring it out. I'm no grant master. Um, hopefully one day I keep keep working um on grants and yeah that's been a lot of my time lately so grants. how much would that play cost to me like 40 grand at least oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at least yeah because seven actors yeah. um space uh director and um and like the salaries like even paying like the bare minimum like they're and like i i would like to pay more they're like not fantastic mm. even by uh um like equity standards so uh yeah mm. it's tough it's a it's a big endeavor and that's why people have to do that job right yeah yeah um and a lot of the time it's it's that leap um going from kind of being an amateur artist mm. to a professional artist mm. um because you know when you're amateur you're just kind of experimenting and throwing stuff up and it's super fun and awesome and then you get to a certain point and you're like 
A, I want to pay people because I can see my like friends and actors draining themselves. Like mm-hmm. they believe in the work too, but you're like, okay, we're all getting a little older. We have, we have to pay and have food. And I like, we can't keep like, you know, killing ourselves over art. And so making that leap is really hard because you need to get the funding, but you also need people to kind of know who you are mm-hmm. in order to be like, to trust you, um, to hope they recognize you as a professional. Mm. Um, so I, I found myself in like kind of a stagnant um, place of like, you know, trying to go for the grants and, and apply for funding, um, apply for professional like development um, opportunities. And uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of making that leap from uh, amateur, uh, which is great. Like I love community amateur work. It's fun. Like I'm actually dying to kind of jump into something fringy again, mm. um, just to get, throw something up on stage. Cause mm. it's been a while. Yeah. I'm auditioning, so. <laughs> awesome. Let me know the details. Okay, I'm going to end it with this. Man, this is super engaging. We have to talk again. Yeah, but I'm going to end really it with this, this, though. Um, when you get to a point where, you know, that point where you're like, oh, you know, I'm at a certain age, how is, should I just keep going or should I go back to school? When you have those moments where you, those questions arise. How do you handle it? And what advice would you have to someone that's kind of dealing with that right now? About going back to school. I don't know if or, I, I'm the or... one to give advice. <laughs> I'm figuring it out myself as okay. well. Um, no, that's a, it's a really good question. I, I like, it's one I am like dealing with. Mm. I, um, I, I honestly, I would say do what makes you happy. Mm. Um, I mean, that's such a general kind of almost bullshit statement. I feel like I, I just kind of like threw away. But um, no, at the end of the day, um, I think I think I, I, I know what I'm doing. Mm. I'm going for it. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm going to keep working. Uh, I'm along the process. I'm going to make sure I'm trying to get like sleep and taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I love it too much. And I don't want to um, have regrets. Um, and I would hope I would let people know that if I, if if you love it, I mean, if you do something that you love, you like I won't work day in your life. Um, a lot harder than said than done. <laughs> and I mean, once you get into it, it's it, it's it's still work. But um, yeah, um, my advice. Surround yourself with good people. Take care of yourself, mm. um, and and yeah, and don't like lose hope of your like childish dreams or not silly. I think people get to a certain age and they think like, okay, these are like this is silly now, but I mean like, it's it's never like there's actor. I know actors who are getting back into it in their seventies because it was something they kind of got to that thirty mark and gave up on, had the job, retired, and now we're doing it again. And that's fantastic. Like, why not? You're never you're never like too old. Um, but yeah, personally myself, I'm gonna like just keep at it. Mm. Um, yeah, but take care of myself along the way because I know what happens when um, it, it can definitely like break you or take a toll on your mental health if you're uh, pulling the all-nighters still working full-time trying to make great art happen and uh, yeah it can uh, definitely take a toll so yeah take care of yourself and keep doing it awesome yeah <laughs> thank you very much Sam <laughs> thank you so much Israel. I really enjoyed this me too yeah awesome and I will be at your friend's show yeah 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 okay yeah okay. I can't wait <laughs> let me know about auditions I will I will okay, okay thanks perfect. thank you 
This is the Blackout Podcast. Thanks for listening.